0: We are in Mark chapter 10. We're going to be starting with verse 1. If you're listening on the podcast, the rumors of our demise have been greatly exaggerated. We uh, had some scheduling conflicts (laughs) with my schedule last week, and so we're back on. We will never shut this down. That may not be true. Okay, verse 1 of Mark chapter 10. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him. And as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you, he replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that he wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. This is the word of the Lord. (laughs) Thanks be to God. So... um, We've talked a little bit about this, but hopefully you're, you're starting to pick up some of the things that are happening contextually. So when the Pharisees or the teachers of the law, sometimes the Sadducees are coming to Jesus with questions, oftentimes they're, they're a very particular type of question. Um, the question that we see here, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Um, that question around Jesus's time was one of the eight great debates and there were, these questions would be in, sort of like in circulation in society, in like Jewish society for um, two, three generations, sometimes as much as 100 years. And then they would cycle questions out. Uh, and so if you wanted to, like, and it's, it's one of these funny ways that they would, they tried to take the law too seriously and that they missed the spirit of the law. And so you remember the Shema it talks about in Deuteronomy 6. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It says a couple other things. It says, It And when you're walking, like you're meditating on the law. When you're at your table, meditate on the law. Bind it to your forehead. Put it on your wrist. All those sorts of things. And so a practical way that they started to do that was to have these debates. Um, this was a practical way that they could, as they're walking to work, as they're over the dinner table, as they're cleaning up from dinner— um, They're having these debates. It also became litmus tests for where it is that you stood on some sort of theological spectrum. And so just like any other time, you have liberal people, you have conservative people, and everything in between. And your answers to these eight great debates were in some ways like it puts you in the continuum of liberal to conservative. And it sort of helped people tell you like, oh, I can get with this person or not. Um, Jesus has, and we've talked about this, an uncanny way of never really answering, not never, but almost never really answering these questions. Um, And so what it is that he does here um, is he asks with a question back. What did Moses command you? They said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And so what it is that Jesus is sort of highlighting in that question is that, one, like this thing with divorce, like it being allowed... It, had nothing, it actually was never in the law that it was allowed. It was that Moses permitted it to be done. Um, and what that essentially means is Moses gave a provision in the law where you were no longer going to be stoned to death because you divorced. Because this is essentially what was happening. Um, men were not divorcing their wives um, and were just saying, like, I'm done with you, and stop providing for them. Now, in this very brutal economy, which is based primarily on um, hunting and gathering and the agrarian culture, which is really, really, really difficult to do physically, um, the way that women function within the family business was different than a man. Uh, And so, in many ways, if you did not have the partnership of a man or the partnership of a family, like, you don't eat, you don't have a house, you don't have clothes, And so what it is that Moses was doing is like, look, you bunch of punks have basically been saying, I don't want to be around you anymore. You've been kicking your wife out of the house. You haven't been doing the thing necessary that allows her to marry someone else so that she can literally eat. Um, And you are letting your wives starve to death. You're a bunch of punks. And so just like not for your sake, but for the woman's sake, we're going to let divorce happen. Um, and Moses is like, I'm not particularly thrilled about this thing. Um, but Jesus, like as only Jesus can do, like digs under and is like, that's happening. Like divorce is happening, but you need to understand like on the like spiritual molecular level, what's going on. So he goes on, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. So kind of talking about what we just said, Jesus replied, but at the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. For this reason, and he starts quoting, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let, not, let man not separate. That ends the like Old Testament quote. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and carries another man commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband, and marries another man, she commits adultery it's like, what do you, like, what does that even mean? Like, how is it like the marriage is separate, it's done. And then like I marry someone else and yet somehow I'm still cheating on the person that I'm no longer married to. Um, The easiest way to understand marriage, I think metaphorically, is to imagine that you're baking a cake. And so you've got flour in there, you have sugar in there, you have eggs in there, you have oil in there. I always have vanilla extract in there. Almond, if it's a really good day. Um, some, I don't know, baking soda, whatever it is that you put into a cake. And then you bake the cake. Um, and the thing about these ingredients are when you put all the ingredients in, the only thing that you're left with is one thing, a cake. That's it. And so if I were to say, hey, I want all the sugar back because that's what I brought to the table and I want all the eggs back because that's what I brought to the table and I brought half the flour back, it doesn't work that way. There's only one thing left. It's cake. Like, the thing that it started as and the thing that it is now are completely different. And so the way that marriage works on a spiritual molecular level is that it's not joking when it says, like, the two have become one. It is literally on, like, a spiritually knit level, there is one of you. And so it's like each of you are bringing your ingredients to this marriage. You're coming together. And in that coming together, there's just one thing. And if that thing is torn apart, like it's not a clean cut. Like it is like you rip out parts of that person and take them with you. And parts of you are ripped out and are taken with that person. And so if you marry another, it's as if that person is still with you and you are still violating that person because at a spiritual molecular level, they're still with you. Like that's the kind of ripping that happens when, when divorce is in place. And so Jesus is like, look, Moses has allowed this thing to happen because on a physical level, we don't want women to die. Like that's just good. Like we have to provide because of your hard hearts, because of like the wickedness that exists in every single one of us because of sin that works its way out. This is one way in which it works out. And despite the fact that we live in this awful world sometimes, it should be, like, women shouldn't have to die. And so we should, we're just going to permit divorce. But Jesus is like, yeah, divorce exists, but understand, like, what's really happening when it happens. And this is why, like, you take vows. This is why you make lifelong commitments, because it's not, like, it, it will destroy you. And that isn't to say that, like, your life is over. It just means like, there is going to be a piece of you for the rest of your life that like you are incomplete because there is a piece of you missing. And and it isn't that God can't redeem things. He can. It's just that like sin has consequences. You can be forgiven for sin. God can redeem things and pull things back. But like there's a piece of you that's missing. That's one of the consequences. Because the two have become one. It's literally one thing, one cake. So I think what Jesus consistently is going to push us to do when he's asked about these questions is like, it's not about law. It's about how the kingdom exists because the kingdom is reality. And I'm trying to pull you up to a higher plane where you can see the way that things really exist, and this is this is one thing where like Jesus, is like this is what sin does, like it, it 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 is so deep that even if you marry another, you're still committing adultery. You're still doing it. Like it is. Jesus is going to continually force us to to see sin for what it is, the consequences of sin, which should should highlight like the, again like the scandal of grace that like he is going to forgive us for that brutality because it's brutal. And he's going to still invite us home anyway. So like, in the midst of like what is a very difficult teaching, we get to juxtapose it against the fact that like there is good news. There's good news that even if that thing has been perpetrated to us, like we didn't want to get divorced. Like there's still good news. There's still redemption. And that there, there, there will be perhaps an ache Um, that one day will be completely taken away. Um, But there's still very, very good news for you. That's the scandal of grace. Because all of us, we are all afflicted by the decisions of other people. Some of us choose divorce. Some of us don't choose it and have it inflicted upon us. There's still good news for all of us. It's the good news of Jesus.